This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. This is Love Sport. You are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, and I've been joined by the back of the Nest podcast, Nick Gillard, Dr. Kernaz, and Chris Clark. Lovely to see you all in the studio. Lovely to see you, Nick, in the studio. It was a late substitute, but a magical one at that. It he's come me. on. <laughs> he's got us the winning goal. He's here in the studio. A packed studio. I didn't think it would be this way, but I'm really pleased either way. Of course, the Premiership kicked off this season. Started with Everton on the weekend. At home, nil-nil, a goalless draw. We're going to be talking all about it. What it adds to offer, the pros and the cons. We've got a packed show tonight. Neil Shipley, former Crystal Palace striker, is coming on a little bit later. James Howard of the Back of the Nest podcast. He will be making an appearance and we'll also of course be getting the opposition for you from James Shield who covers Sheffield United who Crystal Palace play this weekend now we have to talk about the Everton game because you did kick off this season at home Selhurst Park DR you mentioned home form was a problem last season I said no Crystal Palace are good at Selhurst Park I believe in their home fall nil nil might not have been the three points might not have been a win but a clean sheet and a point are we pleased with the start yeah, clean sheet was encouraging to see. Um, due to like, last week, we played at Sellers Park and we lost 4-0 to her for Berlin. Mm. So that was a positive to see with um, both Marta Kelly and Scott Dan starting there. And also my concerns were with Joe Ward. Um, he looked all right in the game as well. So yeah, there were lots of positives. And going into the game, I expected a draw and wished for one because it was such a hectic final week due to Zaha and the transfer situation that... You just didn't want to lose a game. And overall, I was pleased with the game and there were some good performances out there. And we'll talk about it in a second, but we had our chances, they had our chances. So, you know, I think it was a fair result. Yeah, it was, it was a, a typical first game of the season where both teams are trying to find their feet. I think what helped us was we weren't having, we didn't have too many changes because we, we've barely signed anybody. And we were talking about the bench the other day and what a strong bench. We had Kamarasa on there, Zaha on there. I'm just going to stop at him. He seemed very... Can we, can we talk about Zaha very quickly? We are. We're going to talk about Zaha a little bit later. Oh, we're right. going to do okay. more, okay, well, more in depth. We'll talk about the game for now. But yeah, don't yeah, worry. No, There'll be a lot more on Zaha, Nick. <laughs> just thinking about the way he was when he came yeah. out. And um, Who else was on the subs Gary bench? Cahill. Cahill and Wickham. McCarthy was there McCarthy. As well. So, very, very, very strong bench. Considering the tail end of last season and the pre-season friendlies, we've been having the ute there and you know they're, they're not really getting their chance they're just filling up spaces and the other thing I would say about uh, the performance on Saturday was that it was really heartening to see a positive defensive performance from Patrick Van Arnholt someone whose form was not um, at its best last season it's fair to say but you know I mean he, at the end of the day he got, he made a clearance off the line you know kept us in that in that game and also Guaita had a great game in goal made one world-class save I would say 
So, yeah, very very happy with that defensive performance. Just disappointed we didn't score. Well, real football is back now. And for the past few weeks I've been talking to you, you said, you know, there's been a slight frustration in the fans. We haven't signed many players. You know, we've not splashed that cast. We're all thirsty for transfer signings. You haven't made loads of signings. But if we compare that to Everton, who have really splashed the cast this summer, gone out and spent bundles, they didn't look miles above Palace. In fact, we could have said that Palace looks above them. They didn't look at a place. You know, this is a so-called side, Everton. We're going to break the top six or so, their fans say, what's predicted this year. Well, I didn't feel like they was an amazing threat towards Crystal Palace, would you? And you haven't spent that money. Yeah, but I think I think it's still early days as well, in a way that Everton made their signings. But it was the first game of the season. As the season goes on, we'll probably see more of an impact from their signings. But you have to give credit to Roy Hodgson as well. We've criticised him. Um, I have personally last season. But he knows how to set a team up. Um, and you saw with Martin Kane and Scott Dan on paper, they're not the best defenders out there. But he still he still set them up in a way that they was just so solid that Everton really couldn't break them down as much. The, the major disappointment, again, is a Palace thing, is we cannot break down 10 men. It, we, we've just seen... Morgan Schneider yeah, yeah. being sent off there. I think that's more due to the mentality of the team. And you can see after the game, Max Meyer actually said it. I don't know if he meant it as as he worded it, but he was like, we were scared to go forward because we know that Everton on the counter, they are a dangerous team. And in a way, I could see that mentality being spread from Roy to the players because... This is not the only time that we've played with 10 men and he doesn't seem to put on an attacker on and he likes he likes continuing it as it is. So I feel like that's more of a mentality issue. Well, there's nothing wrong with being cautious mm. because it was a point save. We can look at it from two points drop, but it's still a point, a clean sheet. Chris, are you worried then that we know the problem for Palace at the minute is scoring goals, especially when Zaha isn't on the pitch? We know he's the most deadliest threat. Is this a problem going forward because you haven't really added to that in the transfer window? How are we going to score uh, goals and as Nick said break those teams down well absolutely I mean it, it'll be interesting to see how Camarasa performs when he comes in because I think that number 10 role is going to be key in bringing the ball forward and you know creating the opportunities for beyond and picking up on the knockdowns and things like that people like Jordan Ayew um, and Christian Benteke are brilliant with their back to goal but you know they, they really haven't been brilliant facing goal for at least one season if not more than one season so you know, I mean, we've also got Townsend who can chip in goals. We've got, um, you know, Zaha wins penalties, and with VAR, which we'll be talking about, I imagine, um, that we expect that we'll see more penalties for Palace this this year, even than we achieved last year. And you know, so Luka Milivojevic was our second, our top scorer last year. Um, yeah. So you know, we, we're really confident that we that we've got the goals in depth, but we we haven't necessarily got that striking cutting edge, and that that's that is a concern still, yeah. But but does it matter though if you you've got Benteke holding the ball up and feeding these midfield players coming through? I think it does matter because we saw with a midfield player like Max. I'm um, not going to criticise him, but he had a perfect opportunity. And it's not only this game. And like Max, I, personally, I don't see him as a good finisher. And it's not like yeah, if Benteke holds the ball up and if you've got players that can't finish, then what's the point of that? I do agree with DR then because if you're holding it up for the midfielders, those midfielders do have to finish. In a league that's so cutthroat, if you don't take your chances, that's the difference between drawing 0-0, winning 1-0 or possibly even losing 1-0 if Evan got the other end and score. In saying that, you did have a few chances. Not not most in possession. Everton led the way 65% to Crystal Palace's 35 But Jordan Pickford did get man of the match. He did make those two saves, one to IU and one to Max. Also, I want to talk about Connor Wickham because we said we need those strikers. You know, we've got a great strong bench coming on depth. Connor Wickham, we need him to have a good year this year. We gave him the extension last season. I know Saturday was only a small chance, but he's going to get a chance now, a run in the side. It's crucial he takes it, isn't it? It is because Connor Wickham can be brilliant and he can disappear. He's either one or the other. I remember being told this by a Sunderland fan. He'll look like the best player in the world. Um, so... If we can get some consistency from him, that will that will be perfect. Um, the crosses should come in now with players like Camarasa um, for him to get his head on and Benteke as well. So hopefully if they utilise their height, or Roy utilises the height of the two forwards, and they are getting into the box, I think that's got to be the way forward. And we've, we've missed that wingers darting down, knocking the ball in. Woof, there it is, like we, like we had with Glenn Murray. I was actually watching um, Benteke's 
um, goals in the 16-17 season and just so many of them included headers and easy tappings. But just thinking about the game on Saturday, how many crosses did we actually provide to Christian Benteke? Uh, what ones there were were over here. I mean, yeah, exactly, that's, and right I here. think that's a big issue. We talk about our fullbacks, uh, for instance, Joe Wood and uh, Van Aanholt. Yes, Van Aanholt is good going forward, and yes, Joe Wood sometimes can provide something. But crosses are so important, and like even their fullbacks, we need them so much to actually put balls into the box. And I, we haven't really seen it that game. Hopefully, against Sheffield United, that improves. But we need to utilize Benteke better as well. In their defence. It was horrendously windy. Yeah, that's yeah. It was and horrendously windy. It sounds like an excuse, but I remember Gaeta actually taking a goal kick, and it took him about a minute or two to actually kick it because the wind kept moving the ball. So yes, the conditions weren't good, but also uh, at times, even in what we saw in pre-season, just so many balls. You know, when when once we cross them, they just overhit. Well, let's touch a little bit on Zaha now then. We did sort of speak on it earlier. He did come on the game. He started on the bench. Obviously, he's not had a a, a massive pre-season. He was at the African Cup of Nations, but he is still a Palace player. We didn't know if he was going to leave. Will he won't? It was a massive saga. He has stayed at the club. He did come off the bench. There were a lot of cheers. Let's say the majority, but there was the odd boo, wasn't there? Mm. Are the Palace fans a little bit mixed on this? Yes, but... I think they've all been misinformed. The Everton what do you only, mean, Nick? In what sense? Well, Everton only actually made one bid, it transpires. But if you believe what was in all the papers and on, on all the news channels, they were bidding higher and higher and higher. And you look on uh, transfer markets, it gives the, the value of plus. It's only £45 million on that. So, so you know, her to Berlin, come in and raise it and raise it and raise it. But I don't know what was going on with that, whether Will... Didn't want to leave, but the American owners wanted to sell him. Whether he wanted to leave and Steve Parrish didn't want to sell him. But we haven't really got to the truth of it. And yeah, so, and he he was very concerned when he came on. And he said after the game about the reception he'd get. Uh, but once the, the crowd started chanting his name, he, he was back with us, I think. But before then, he was... Yeah, I was surprised actually with the couple of boos. Because I... Mm. I I don't think that would actually happen because you always see people on social media talking and saying that they will. But when it comes to the actual stadium, nothing actually happens. But yeah, it was noticeable. You're not calling out the keyboard worries. No, though, yeah, there, I am. You? I'm definitely <laughs> am. I definitely am. And yeah, I actually like around me. I was, I was like, am I actually hearing booze? Yeah, it was actually surprising. But I think the reason why I'm not against Zaha at all. He he wanted to move on, and maybe the timing wasn't right. But the reason why the people are turning against him is not the fact that everything came in with a bid. I think it's due to Zaha actually putting in a transfer request a day before the deadline. I think that turned people's heads because they when were... When you're almost forcing yeah, a move. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's like you could have done that before. Why do it before the deadline day? It's, it, so I think that's what turned people's heads. Chris, you were nodding in agreement there that in when DR said he was surprised at the booze. Yeah. Were you also surprised at the booze and why? Well, I didn't even notice the booze at the time. I mean, that, that, that yeah. kind of indicates you know, how few there You're were. You're very surprised um, to hear about it. I, well, I heard about it when we were recording the podcast uh, the other day. But um, You, you mean know, to say there's another podcast uh, apart from definitely this one? Definitely not, definitely not. Um, but I, was, I was horrified to hear that there had been booze, to be honest. Yes, you get the keyboard warriors, um, and I think it's important to call them out as the cowards that they are. Um, call in, by Chris, the way. Be if, careful, yeah. Chris, be careful. <laughs> well, let, let's, let's see what they've got. Um, but at the same time, seriously, um, Will, uh, you know, has been a legend for this club. Understandably, wanted to move to a higher level to perform, a ch- you know, play Champions League football. Um, I don't think any decent, ordinary, understanding Palace fan who's seen what he's done for our club in the past would begrudge him that move if it happens. But such a late move by other clubs and the the massive undervaluing in terms of the bids that were coming in. Obviously, we weren't going to let him go for that kind of price. So. Yeah, I, I was a bit surprised that people um, did boo. I'm glad that you know the vast, vast, vast majority were singing in, in his support. What if, and this is something I've heard, so I don't know how true it is, Wilf put his transfer request in because he was upset at the lack of transfer activity at Crystal Palace and the whole thing has just been concocted by media? I 
don't. I'm not sure if I believe that. I think if Wolf put a transfer request in, it's because he wants to further his career yeah. rather than the ambitions of Palace. I think it would only be for his own self gain and to move on. Just quickly then, because Zaha did come off the bench, and we know the lift it gives to the team, and we know what he brings to the side. We know what ability he has, but it's not just what he can do because straight away, as soon as he was on the pitch. Everyone else's game raised, didn't it? Straight yeah. away. Turns it. Everyone wanted the ball. Everyone's like, where's Will? Everyone's heads went up. And I was like, this is a completely different last half an hour now when from the time he come on, wasn't it? Yeah, it completely changed the game. Um, and we, we had Everton absolutely on the ropes. So, yeah, he made a massive difference. And it, I mean, it changed the atmosphere in the ground as well, it's fair to say. Well, we are talking that Palace do need some goals. We do need a deadly striker. We need That's the area we need to work on. Luckily, we're talking to Neil Shipley next, and he's a man that just might know about some goals. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with the Back of the Nest podcast with me, Charlie Hawkins, DR Kernaz, Chris Clark, and Nick Gillard. And I'm delighted to say we've now been joined by Neil Shipley, ex-Palace legend on the phone. Neil, you're a man who knows how to score goals. You're a man who knows about the goals. Crystal Palace obviously opened the season this weekend with a goalless draw to Everton. If Zaha's not playing, we're slightly worried where the goals are going to come from. Neil, what do Palace need to do this season to get those goals and break those teams down, especially when they go to 10 men? Well, they've just got to find the right formula, which is easier said than done. You know, I mean, we were obviously in the market or we we needed a centre-forward. I think we definitely did need one. Uh, We started off with four. We let one go, uh, Swaloff, which, okay, he probably wasn't going to be the answer, but we're now only left with uh, three. So I don't think it's been a good window on that front regarding what we actually need player-wise. But but now it really is. It's up to either Benteke, Wickham or Jordan Ayew, whoever gets that run in the side now, to actually say, look, I'm going to be the man. You know what I mean? One of them now has to take responsibility, certainly till January, or unless we dip in and get like a a free transfer, you know, someone who's out of contract and stuff. It really is now. It's up to them free to one of them to say, look, you know, enough's enough. You might have wanted a striker, but I'm going to be your man. You're right, Neil. Nick here. Um, we were discussing earlier about the way um, Benteke drops back and the midfielders are coming forward. Um, what would you do? Because it, it does seem to be the way he plays. How do you turn him round and actually get him to get in the box and, and meet those headers from the fine crosses that are going to come in? Yeah, well, his argument would be like, I mean, how many crosses? I mean, I, I am, I do like a bit of stats, but I don't actually don't, I don't have that one to hand. You know, I'll be putting crosses in. I mean, you know, Benteke for me is well publicised. You know, he's had a very, very poor two seasons, and and we're now pinning our hopes at the moment. It looks like on him finding some kind of form. Uh, I've my comments uh, on him. I, I don't think he'll ever be that player. Now you're saying he's coming deep. Uh, Okay, I mean, he, he didn't actually have a bad game, you know. He, he did do actually do some stuff that's, that's worth talking about. You know, he held it up a little bit better. He placed the ball through to uh, Jordan I for probably the best chance of the game. So he did do bits and pieces, but, uh, you know, I, I, I really don't know. I mean, if there was crosses in, he, he just doesn't he doesn't fill me with confidence about uh, getting chances and, and putting them away, and, to be honest. And, and thinking of Connor Wickham coming back from injury again... How much does that affect your game? Because obviously he's going to have half a mind on not hurting himself again and being laid off. I mean, obviously you can't speak for him yourself, but when you do come back from injury, how much does that play on your mind? Well, it does, but I mean, if we're going to talk about him being injured, then he's obviously been playing on his mind for a long time, you know, but we are talking about a player who does it gets you know injured a lot, you know, and, and it's a shame because that is one person I want to see fit because I, I've got more faith in him having uh, an eight-game run or whatever, if you want to say, like I think he can do it, but yeah. he has to stay fit. Uh, you know, he's, he's got all the attributes, uh, attributes of uh, of a striker who we need, but it's, it's whether he's going to get that chance. You know, it seems that we are going with uh, with, with, with Benteke at the moment, but, you know, he, he came on. You can't really do a lot in the, in the time that he's come on. He does need to play a load of games, but I don't know him personally. I don't know if he's fit enough at the moment. Um, and I, I don't know if Roy is actually going to say, look, you know, have you go. I mean, he, he looks like they're probably playing these cup games which are going to come up and stuff. You know, that's where you can uh, get your, you know, it's, it's going to be better than playing these under-23 games and stuff. He does need competitive games and he needs to... Because when he does, I think if he, if he does, he score goals in, in, in these cup games and stuff to give him a boost. You know, I mean, he got one last season, didn't he? So it's all there, but it's just... 
it's just which one's going to get the real run of the run of the team. You know, eight or ten games, and really, we 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 we're going to need sort of three goals off of him. You know, at least three in ten, basically, to stake your claim. Neil, a lot was made, obviously, this summer with Zaha. Will he stay? Will he go? He has stayed. How much is this affecting the other Palace players? We know the fans are frustrated. There was a few cheers. There was a couple of boos on the weekend. Is that sort of in the past now? Can they put it behind him? And can he go back to what he was last season for Palace? Oh, definitely. And I think he's got to do more, you know, to, to be to be really harsh on him. I mean, I, I love him. Look, I think he's an out incredible player. And uh, the one thing, there's loads of going to be arguments about what actually happened to him. Should he have gone? You know, should the club have accepted the, you know, was it 70? You know, I don't know the full ins and outs. I know there was a 60. I mean, if my personal opinion, if if there was a 70 million pound, we, we, should, we should have took it. We should have took it. But then did we have enough time to actually get the transfer that we wanted? It was all done a little bit too late. But for, for Zaha now, he needs to sit down and go, right, it didn't happen. Have your little, you know, your, your little sulk or your little disappointment. But, I mean, what's, there's not many players who put a transfer request in. And, and you say a few cheers. I was there and all I did here was, uh, was a stand ovation from where I was. It was a tremendous support. So anything in the in the back of his mind, oh, do the, do the crowd still back me? Yes, they do in abundance. And now, now he's got to perform and say, right, I've got to your January and I might get my move that I want, but I've now got to, do a little bit better than what last year, which, which is hard because it was amazing. Neil, year. you just said though, if they did offer seventy, they should have took it. Why was that? I just feel that uh, me personally, I, I, I thought sixty million was going to be the tops we get from. I, I really did. So seventy. I mean, there's so many permutations to this now. You, if he doesn't start well, if he gets injured, it's all. You know, I'm touching wood here, by the way, because I don't want him to get injured. But if he gets injured, can you imagine having to sell him? for like 35, 40 million a year down the line or, or, or 18 months down the line. I just feel 70 was, was huge, huge for him. Hi, Neil. Um, with Zaha now staying and also we brought in Camarasa, Gary Cahill and McCarthy, what what do you think are the, should be the aims of Palace this season? With what we've got at the moment, and this is going to sound negative and I do apologise for anyone <laughs> who disagrees, but I just feel three teams worse than us I would take it now, to be okay. honest, just to stay in. I really do, and I do apologise for the negativity, but I just feel we have, we're we weak at the left back, we're weak at right back, and we're weak up front. And, you know, we, we're not firing on all cylinders. There's going to be teams that will, and I just feel we've been a little bit left behind again. We've signed the midfielders, which, you know, we've got loads of them. I don't actually think we needed them, to be honest. So just following up on what you were saying about uh, signing a striker, you said about the ones that we had on our shopping list that we didn't quite get over the line. And you're not convinced that Benteke is ever going to come back to the level that he has been at in the past. Um, do you think we should be looking at the free agent market? And you know, is there anyone in particular you think we should bring in? Well, Sturridge is really the only one that comes to mind who's actually played in the Premiership and scored a load of goals. You know, As far as I'm aware, he's, he's, he's available on a free um, the club are probably not going to say exactly what they've done and what they didn't do, but you know, and Andy Carroll, and he would have turned us down maybe. But why didn't we go in for a pay as you play with someone like that? You know, I mean, all these kind of you can never have too many strikers, um, and to go to go, you know, in a Premiership where you're going to be up against so many good teams, and we've only got three recognised strikers, is it, just not good enough. Um, just coming away from Palace ever so slightly, Liverpool won by a lot Man City won by a lot Tottenham won by a lot all against different teams is the season kind of over for teams like Palace and struggling at the bottom and is football in your opinion is foot is the Premier League in particular being destroyed by this dominance of four teams which seems to be getting worse and worse every season I mean what's what's the point of going if you're only trying to stay up Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them 
honestly, if you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Well, I understand what you're saying. And, and, and yeah, I, I do I do agree with quite a lot of that. But, you know, Leicester won it the other year. You know, I think everyone still goes on to these little dreams. And, and you can still have these dreams and it still can happen. But it's just going to be harder and, and, and harder. But, but no, I don't, I don't, I mean... Christ, I thought I was negative a minute ago. You know what I mean? You're basically saying the season's over. He saved you, <laughs> Neil. No. He redeemed it for you. <laughs> no, no. I mean, come on. You know, we've got Man United in a couple of weeks away from home, you know, and, and, and we're going to do what we always do best. You know, we're going up, up, you know, we will go and win like we did at Man City last year. It can still <laughs> yeah. happen. We can, it can still happen. So, no, I, I don't think uh, it's over. Uh, by, by, any, by any stretch but obviously there's going to be some hammerings going on I mean for the first time I mean I've actually said it to Mike before Man United crushed Chelsea you know you, you're going to see these top or top teams like your Arsenal your Chelsea or used to be top probably getting smashed five five or six off of Man, Man City and Liverpool you know they're capable of doing it so when it comes to us you know we might have to shut up shop and be a little bit more cautious and uh you know, sometimes these one nil defeats or two nils, you might be looking back and going, "Well, that weren't too bad, was it?" But, but listen, we we scored three three at Liverpool, didn't we, like last year? Um, so yeah. it, it it can it can happen, it can happen. But I do believe it's going to be harder. Yeah. Neil, just lastly, then final question: As a former player, we obviously mentioned earlier the Zaha saga, and he has stayed at Palace. Today, in the news, there was a supposedly a players' meeting where they said, you know, players have told Zaha he has to be all in. You know, he's got to redeem it to them. He's got to make it up to them and it made the back pages of the paper Tanzen tweeted today and said absolute fake news can't believe it's a back page story it's not even a single story it's a load of old nonsense as a former player the players have meetings like this when one player wanted out and he put in a transfer request did you all come together and say look what's happening here are you on this ship with us what what, what is the former thing from behind the scenes Neil yeah no you, right and it does happen and uh so, so what would happen? It, basically, these are Premiership footballers, and Roy. It looks like Roy and Ray are staying out of it, which is, you know, what they've said over the last few weeks about transfers. They obviously got no dealings with that. So the players will take care of their own business regarding players. So it'd be like Ray or something would come in and go, right, trainers going to start half ten, and, and the captain might go, look, can you give us ten minutes? We want to have a little chat, and that's how the meetings go. And what's normally said in these meetings stays in their meetings. So it wouldn't surprise me if. It did happen. You know, I mean, end of the day, we didn't, you know, it is a Zaha this and Zaha that. There's another 15 players in that squad, you know, probably more, who played their part in keep, keeping us uh, in the Premier League and stuff. So that kind of thing may be mentioned, you know, it's not all about you. You know, if we had 11 Zahas or any, a club had 11 Zahas or 11 Hazards and stuff, you know, that's not a team. So it is a team. So these meetings do happen and uh, it's quite early on. But if it has, I like it. Yeah, these should have meetings and players should be able to express themselves without having it uh, getting leaked and exactly what was told. So fair play to Andros because yeah, he's not going to say anything. And, uh, and they have these, these private meetings and it's perfectly normal. Well, well, we appreciate your honesty there, Neil. Neil, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate you giving Take us care, some chaps. time. Take care, Neil. Neil Shipley there, former Crystal Palace striker. It is a show packed with guests because... We're going to hear from more people and we've got another substitute coming on next. It is James Howard from Back of the Nest. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. I've been joined by the Back of the Nest podcast, DR Kernaz, Chris Clark and Nick Gillard. And a strong member, one of the key members of the Back of the Nest podcast is on the line, James Howard. James, thank you for joining us. Sorry you're not here tonight. James, the season did kick off this weekend. Neil Neil to Everton. How did you uh, feel about the performance? Were you pleased? Well, good evening, Charlie. Let's get out of the way first of all. <laughs> good evening, James. <laughs> I want to do Fair the nicest, just in case Andy's listening. Yeah, I um, appreciate that. Look, guys, enjoying the show. Really good points being made. Um, I think... Uh, um, Neil Shipley made a, quite a few positive points and comments that I would have uh, repeated myself. But yeah, just a few uh, notes from the game that I've made. I, I really sort of uh, wanted to just shout out there to the boys and to everyone listening. Um, 
walking up to the ground, it was great, you know, first game of the season. Before the match, personally, I would have settled for a draw. I think that was a reasonable result for us. I definitely would have settled for a clean sheet. We got that, which was fantastic. It was a little bit, I think Nick said, a bit of a cagey affair. A few players a little bit rusty. Um, if it wasn't for Pickford, we might have come away from for a win. Um, some really, I don't think there was anyone in particular that had a bad game. Um, particularly A. I. U. Meyer and Kelly, I thought had really good games. Joel Ward, we had the question mark. Uh, I know Dr. was mentioning it week after week. Oh, we haven't got a replacement, and I was saying, well, Wardy, I still think he's a good player, and I think he had a good game, solid game. Um, so my faith hopefully is paying off with Ward there. But yeah, obviously, you know, might need a bit of cover. I'm, I'm going to interject there. Wardy mm. didn't have a bad game. DR said earlier that, um, or it might have been Chris actually, when we were one man up, that we were a little bit afraid of being caught on the break. It was DR. Does not having one Bissaka there, because PVA is pretty quick and get can get back quick, did that affect us going forward, do you think? Yeah, possibly. Um, that's a weakness, isn't it? You know, um, Wardy is... is you know, obviously not as quick, uh, not as young, young as uh, Wan Bissaka. So definitely, but you know, we're, we're going to sell a player for fifty million. We're not. We, I can't expect. You know, all 20, 25,000 fans are going to expect us to go out there and buy a fifty million pound right back. That's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So we just accept uh, how it is. And uh, you know, Ward is a solid defender. He's a proven Premiership player, and he did a job. And you know, we have to play to our strengths. Um, but yeah, I was happy. I was also very happy about the Zaha situation. I think all round we had to put on a performance and and show that we weren't sulking as fans. He wasn't going to sulk, and we just had to get over it. And we don't know exactly what's happened behind closed doors. Um, he's paid to play for us. He's on a four. He's got four years left on his contract. You know, we all know that's probably not going to happen. But he's paid a handsome salary. He has to get on with the job. We have to get on with supporting him. I, I too have seen a couple of negative posts out there. Um, I just don't get it. I really don't. You know, do they want? What would happen if we all booed him when he got on? I mean, how is that going to affect his performance? <laughs> that's just that's just suicide, isn't it? Um, but yeah, another just a couple of things just that before that you guys interject. Um, the uh, the VAR, I thought that it didn't really get in, interfered too much. There was that red card decision, which was dealt with very, very quickly. I thought that was very good. Um, it did add a little bit more excitement for me, um, personally. Um, but I didn't think VAR, VAR had, we had a problem with it, probably because there wasn't those key moments where VAR was needed. James, James, um, sorry, yeah, very quickly. Yeah. That VAR moment, and I'll ask Chris mm. and DR this because they were in the ground. Did you know what was going on? Did you know that it was Luca? Did you know what the incident was? You say it adds excitement. To me, it adds confusion. And yeah. all around me, we're just going, what the blooming hell is that about? What, what's going on? We pay to watch this game. We're being left behind. Yeah, I missed the tackle, actually. I didn't see, I didn't see what happened. You're quite right there. Um, so I was a little bit, I was a bit confused. And maybe on the screen, we need to get something up there to say maybe, look, yeah, I know it was on the screen it was saying a, a red card decision, but maybe we have to say, um, you know, Luka Milivojevic on such and such tackle, or, or we need to sort of give a little bit of background information so we can know what's going on. I don't know whether that can be added to it, but yeah, you, that's a good point, Nick, actually. Uh, yeah, James, and was going back at what you said about Wardy, um, I was more curious about Andros's game. I feel like Missing not having Wan Bissaka there actually impacted his game because the last season him and Wan Bissaka on the right hand side they'll do quick one twos and they'll be able to run through teams. But it seems like with having Joe Ward there, the same can't happen and it somehow impacted his performance. Are you worried about that in the, in the long term? Yeah, I think that will um, be a problem for us. Um, it's it's likely to uh, mean that we're going to have to be a little bit more cautious on that side of the play. And I did I did feel that there were one or two moments. Um, I did say everyone had a good game, no one had a bad game, but there were still a couple of little mistakes where I think Townsend was caught out defending-wise. And I think if the Everton player or players were um, a little bit sharper and it wasn't the first game of the season, I definitely think that they would have scored. And I, I do feel that um, that Townsend was at fault maybe at picking up a player. And yes, he has to improve on his 
defensive qualities, which which obviously we've known in the past that he's going to he's, he's been a little bit weak on. Hi, James. Uh, Chris here. So just Hello, building mate. on the all right, mate. Yeah, just building on the point that you were making about the. Um, VAR earlier on. One of the reasons I think that um, I missed the incident, because I, I missed it too, um, I think possibly was partly because of the singing, frankly. The singing section was so intense as an experience uh, that yeah. I saw that they were, they were down to 10, but I kind of assumed that it had happened earlier in the second half, where I was about a couple of minutes late, possibly due to getting a beer, and uh, for that reason, I, I assumed I'd just missed an incident completely, whereas actually it turned out that it had happened while I was still there, but I was clearly singing and just missed it in the melee. So did you have any um, observations on the performance of the singing section, how it worked this time, what an experience it was? I mean, I walked up from uh, the Homestale pub with um, some of the Ultras as they were uh, debuting one of their new songs that uh, came out at the weekend. And, you know, I, th- I thought it was fantastic, but I'm interested in hearing what, what you thought, you know, on, based on your experience of seeing and being part of it, possibly. Yeah, no, that's actually a good point. Um, I sit uh, sort of halfway in the Arthur Waite, um, and um, I felt that um, it, it had a, a massive, massive impact. Uh, it came across much louder than it normally does. Um, because they are more central, obviously, uh, it's, I think it's spreading more evenly across that lower tier and possibly upper tier of the Homesdale. And it seemed to sort of, everyone else was sort of getting embraced with it all and joining in. And I, you know, we were a little bit negative last season and we didn't get the, the performances at home were pretty poor. I know Charlie thinks we're a good home team. <laughs> we used to be, but we weren't last season. Um, we are yeah, this season. Played Hopefully one, unbeaten. Right, yeah. Haven't conceded <laughs> a goal, James. <laughs> exactly, clean sheet at home. But but this yeah, no, I definitely agree with that, Chris. I think that 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 was really good. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I only missed the incident. I didn't miss the 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 sending off or the double rate. Did you miss all of that then? No, no. I'm sorry, I was talking about when it came up on the screen. VAR red card incident. Well, I saw the tackle, mm. but I, I didn't see no, the sending Chris. off. I didn't see the review. Chris, Chris didn't see the sending off that I was talking about. Yeah, I didn't about. see oh, it at all. Sorry, I, didn't, I didn't see the red card go up. I didn't see it at all. I feel like you were just too distracted with the beers. And stuff. I'll, <laughs> I'll be honest, I think Chris was in the bar. This is a completely uh, different conversation <laughs> for another day. James, you did just mention there then about the home form. We know that we always want three points every game. You got a point, but sometimes more than a point. It is about the clean sheet. How important was that and how good was that on Saturday? Well, I said that in, during the friendlies, didn't I, at the beginning of the summer, or no, middle of the summer, actually. I said, for me, the most important thing, when you get a team together, whether it's pre-season or it's in the season, is to build from clean sheets. And I know it sounds a bit negative, but I always feel that if you're going to win games and you're going to climb up that league, the first thing you've got to do is get a defence solid. You've got to get in. It's just getting the foundations just like building a house you've got to get the foundations there first of all and that's what we've got to do we've got to get a defense that's strong enough and then clean sheets will lead to opportunities because the forwards will be more or the midfielders and forwards will will feel more confident going forward and then hopefully you know time goes on and we will get the odd goal and we will hopefully get a few few wins but yeah Um, very very happy with that hopefully we'll win and we'll get a few goals. I hope, I hope, I hope you're a bit more positive than that. No, the um, Dan and um, Kelly thought they had a brilliant game in the, the actual never-say-die, getting in the way of shots. I mean, they must be covered in bruises, the amount of shots they blocked in the area, and Palace have always been good at that, really good at closing down, so good to see that. Um, Tomkins is fit. Who would you take out, Dan or Kelly? Um, if it were down to me, uh, I would be looking to Dan or say, take out who? Tom? Dan or Kelly? For Tomkins? If they're back, yeah. Or would you would you stick with I would be two? looking at K. I would be looking at Cahill or Sacco for Tomkins. Mm-hmm. I'd be looking at putting Cahill in the back and Sacco um, if if the other two um, you know either get injured or or. Uh, have problems or make mistakes, yeah. James, we really appreciate you giving some time. I look forward to you being Mm. back in the studio next week. I hope you have a good evening. Really appreciate that, James. James Howard there from Back of the Nest podcast.
He said that the clean sheet was vital. Mm. He's not too sure about the VAR. Chris, you mentioned you hadn't really seen it. Let's talk about VAR because it has been introduced to the Premier League this season. We know how it affected the West Ham Man City game. Let's not take a, a, a view of every game, what happened, every incident. Let's take a broader view than that. VAR, are we happy? Is it going to make a good difference? Or is it going to take a little bit of time? Teething problems. It's still in its infancy. They're using different systems in in different countries in Europe, aren't they? They aren't all following the same kind of rules, which is a bit weird. You'd, you'd hope it would be kind of universal so that it could be moved One on. global rules for yeah. football, yeah. But as a paying punter... I feel cheated, absolutely cheated. Uh, somebody from Man, a Man City fan was ranting about the fact, yes, they won, but half the time he didn't have a clue what was going on and he couldn't lose himself in emotion when they scored because he didn't want to look a complete... Fool. So fool. So I for you, you can never upset me, Nick, but thank <laughs> you for thinking of me. So you're saying, Nick, that you think it could be ruined as a spectacle, the sport? Football has its roots in working men and women going to watch their local team, came out of the factories. TV came in to show it as the technology got on, and it was a guest of football. It was showing what Nick, was I hope going no on. no one from the middle or upper classes is listening, because you said the football <laughs> comes from the working people. They, yeah. they might not feel included after this. No, I know, but, you know, there's <laughs> lots, pulling of, your leg. lots of double-barreled surname players now, so, you know, it's <laughs> uh, moving up a bit, but... The root of the football is the fans in the stadium, and we are being forgotten about. We're being forgotten about with exorbitant prices to get in. How much money is football getting? And we're still paying a lot more out of our weekly wage than we were 20 years ago as a percentage of it. Yeah, I understand that, but that's something different to VAR, what you're describing. And like the TV money right yeah. now, without the TV money, we wouldn't probably be able to afford half the players that we have, like Mamadou Sako, like Wilfred Zaha giving him new wages. I think VAR, it was the first game week and it will improve as time went on. With Palace game, there was, of course, there was a confusion with the red card because I wasn't too sure in the stadium what exactly they were checking. But it's it's the first game week and we need it. Last season, we are talking about it with Zaha so many times how it was a penalty and we need VAR. And now that VAR is here and it's working, and even even if the offsides are minimal, it's still offside, people are complaining. And I just don't understand it. You wanted it last season, and now that it's here, you don't like it. Let's let's hear what Chris has to say. Let's all have a view on this, Chris. Yeah, well, there's ups and downs, aren't there? So, I mean, very simply... Um you know, I, I really get the point about the you know the spontaneity of celebrating a goal being completely we're losing that taken moment away. of euphoria, aren't yeah. we? Oh, can we celebrate? Because but we're, then we're I've always had that back. anyway because I always had to look across to see if the referee's assistant was flagging. So you know, actually, far too sensible. Yeah, well, I, I've always <laughs> had that because I feel a bit self-conscious celebrating in case I'm the only person doing it. <laughs> I do that, um, well. and everyone else has seen it, so I always check. So it hasn't completely destroyed the spontaneity for me. That spontaneity wasn't quite there anyway. Um, having said that, I think there are definitely uh, fine tunings that can be made if you're going to continue with this technology. Uh, for example, making it clear what it is you're investigating in the first place. In Formula One, they say incident between cars 29 and 55 being investigated by the stewards over DR, you know, brackets. DRS, well, they do it in the NFL. They say we, they say mm. the names. This is what we're interviewing, and then but then everyone can watch it on the screen if you yeah. haven't got the screen. I think Nick's referring to the air of confusion because if yeah. you're in the stadium. We're not quite sure what's going on, but football does seem to be heading towards a product that only fits for TV because the punter at home on the TV is watching it, knows what's going on, yeah. so doesn't mind the mm. weight and is sort of invested in that way. But the paying fan who goes home and away week and week out, maybe he's being lost along the way and it is something we do need to look at. Unfortunately, I think this is a topic that we could do one hour, two hours, three hours on. Unfortunately, we do want to talk to James Shield, who's covering Sheffield United because as much as VAR is important, so is that game against Sheffield United, the new boys, and we want three points. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, and I've been joined by the Back of the Nest podcast, Nick Gillard, DR Kernaz, and Chris Clark. It's been it's been a great show tonight. We've talked a little bit about Zaha, we've talked about the Everton game, we've even talked to Neil Shipley, and of course, we have talked about VAR, a conversation we just continued off air. We could have gone on for much longer. The opinions are so vastly different, it could go on and on. But of course, now it is time for a part of the show 
where we get to speak to someone from the next weekend's opposition. It is Opposition View. It is Opposition View. And I'm delighted to say Crystal Palace face Sheffield United this weekend. And we have James Shield on the line who covers Sheffield United for the Sheffield start. James, delighted to have you on the phone. Great weekend for the Steel Boys. You picked up a point against Bournemouth. Really up for it. Could have gone on and got the winner. Billy Sharp written in the stars that it had to be him. You play Palace this weekend. How are you feeling towards this weekend's game? Yeah, very, very positive. I think, as you say, it was uh, it was a really good start, Charlie. I thought they, you know, the momentum obviously took them through the first five, ten minutes of the game. And then I think there was a little bit of a realisation about what they'd stepped into. And they, they did look a little bit sort of apprehensive and a little bit nervous for, for 20 or so minutes after that. But all things considered, for a, for a team that's got very, very little top flight experience in it, I thought they did... Uh, I thought they did exceptionally well. I don't think there's any doubt that they they deserved a point. And as you say, it was it was probably written in the stars, wasn't it, that that Billy Sharp was was going to score the goal that got them uh, got them a point. And I think, as Chris Wilder said afterwards, listen, I, I didn't need him to sort of tell me that. I think we all accept this that a point on the road in the, in the Premier League, especially for a newly promoted club represents a, a really encouraging start. Exactly, and especially at the end of the season, all the points matter. It could be a point you look back on and be really pleased you did get that point. But across the, the board, with all the newly promoted teams, Aston Villa, Norwich and yourselves, all right, maybe you were playing Bournemouth away, so not as strong as Liverpool or Spurs, but I was most impressed with Sheffield United performance this weekend because I felt you just was really up for it. The fans, everything, the atmosphere, you could have gone on and got the three. Does this sort of bode well for the rest of the season, James? Well, I think hopefully it does. Uh, I mean, listen, it's going to be a long grind at times. And, I mean, I've sort of probably bored the reader senseless up here with, <laughs> with sort of making the making the point that, in a strange sort of way, I think Sheffield United's biggest challenge for the, for the season ahead is going to be sort of learning how to lose. Not liking how to lose, but learning how to lose because it's something they've, they've done very, very little of uh, over, the, over the past three years since Chris Wilder's come in. Uh, but, no, I think it does. I mean... A, one of the things that sort of really I I like about the you know about the squad at the moment and listen they they don't have to impress me but I think it's something that sort of as a sort of a I don't know a boring old so and so now a bit of a footballing traditionalist what I love is they've the way they've gone about their work up here is sort of without a checkbook uh, I mean listen they they have spent a few quid in the summer but. You know, in sort of relative terms, it doesn't really touch the sides compared to most Premier League clubs. And an awful lot of their squad has, uh, has either started out in non-league or enjoyed a career in non-league football or has come through from the from the lower divisions. And I think that's great to see. You know, it, it, it sort of gives hope to everybody. It goes to prove that there is sort of life beyond the Premier League, although they'll probably be hoping to forget about that over the next couple of years. Uh but the other nice thing is, and I think this is why it was a nice sort of nice game to begin with against Bournemouth. I think it's two clubs that, you know, they're going to show that you, you can sort of create a little bit of a niche for yourself and that you can sort of, you know, bring on and, and develop good players. You know, a little bit of intelligence can, can go a long way in football. James, we're running out of time, mate. So I'm, I'm going to speed us up a bit. You're brilliant. We, we felt like that when we first came up because we had the core of the squad and the, the club mentality and the team mentality got you through. Just be careful a couple of years down the line when you start signing journeyman players. <laughs> I, but I really, really do hope you stay up because longevity in management is a rare, rare thing. How quickly do you think the fans will turn on him if things don't go to plan? To be honest, I think he's one of those rare managers where they won't. Uh, I think because of his, his backstory, I mean, he's, he's well known in the city. He's a former Sheffield United player. He's a, he's a sort of a lifelong Sheffield United fan as well. This is his Manchester United. So, I mean, listen, if, if, if they don't win a game for a year, clearly there's going to be, <laughs> there's going to be questions. But no, I, I, I honestly don't believe that's, uh, that's an issue for sort of the, the foreseeable future up here at Bramall Lane. He's got, a, he's got enough goodwill in store. And one of the great things they've done is I've seen it. The relationship between sort of the terraces and the pitch was pretty fractured before Chris came in. I think, you know, apathy had, had set in, which was even worse than anger to, to some extent when they were in League One. The most impressive thing for me, and this might sound a little bit romantic and cliched, even more impressive than the two promotions is the way that relationship between the fans and the team has been sort of repaired and, and strengthened. And that's one of the one of the things I'm looking forward yeah. to on Sunday as well, because I think the same thing probably goes for goes for Crystal Palace as well. 
Hi. Um, how do you think Sheffield United will set up against Palace uh, on the weekend? Do you think they'll come at Palace or do you think they might sit back a bit and try to hit them on the counter? No, they'll, they'll certainly have a go. Uh, I mean, they've got this sort of very interesting system that I know people have sort of talked an awful lot about all over the summer with the, the wing-backs and the overlapping centre-halves. What they will do, I think you'll see them be a little bit pragmatic away from home at times, but no, certainly at Bramall Lane, they'll, they'll look to have a real go. And I, I think they're quite right to do so. I mean, you know, the crowd's going to be hugely important for them this season. They've been starved of sort of Premier League football ever since 2007 and you know if you, if, if you can't sort of tap into the sort of the excitement and the emotion that's that's going to be around the ground I think it's a pretty poor show so no they'll they'll come out and they'll look to have a, a real go at Crystal Palace James just quickly then and bearing in mind this is the Crystal Palace fan show uh, <laughs> we need a score prediction for this weekend so uh, both teams got a point on the opening day what are you expecting this weekend do you know what? And I'm not saying this, but in no way am I sort of dismissing Crystal Palace in any way, shape, or form. Because, listen, there's going to be no easy games for Sheffield United this season. But I'm just going to go with the momentum that they that they built up towards the end of the last season and carried on to a degree last weekend. Because it's their first game at home, I'm going to go for them to edge it two-one. James, we really that's not gone down well in the studio, but we really appreciate you coming I'll get on. my coat. <laughs> Cheers, James Shield there from the Sheffield Star. Really good to have him on. But of course, he's going for a Sheffield United win. We weren't really expecting much different. But now if I can get your three predictions, Chris, I'll start with you. What do you think this Saturday? 1-0 Palace, Luka Milivojevic. Sunday, penalty. excuse me, sorry. Yeah, yeah Sunday. It's yeah. Sunday, isn't it? It is Sunday. Super Sunday. He's yeah. going, yeah, he's Hello, going to it. You, yeah, I'm, I'm going. So, yeah, looking <laughs> well, forward Chris, to it. Chris, I want you away from the bar and I want you watching for all the VAR incidents, <laughs> all right? They are 2-1 Palace. 2-1 Palace. Will for be just too good for them. 1-0 Palace. 1-0 Palace. All right, I'm... Can I just say one thing? Of course thing? you can, You've been doing this, what, three, four weeks? Yeah. You're, you're sliding into it really well. Have you noticed, gents? Thanks, the Nick. way he's... I've paid him. He's, he's just... Hanging his arms over the microphone stand <laughs> like Jim Morrison. He owns the place now. It's a good oh, work, Charlie. Yeah. I'm so glad you turned up tonight now, Nick. <laughs> good evening to you. And on that note, I think I'm going to say 3-0 to Palace now. Come on, the Eagles. We'll see you next week. This is Love Sport. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.